Welcome to Ball on Bulls. I'm your host, C-Dub. I am with guest host, D. Jackson, once again, because it's so nice. I have to have him on twice. Dude. You ain't gonna look around, man. Dude, is it, is it time that I'm not a guest anymore, man? You know, well, I'm part of the team, I think, brother. I think three, three times it's like, you know, you know when people, three people together as a group, they, the third time you host is just is just a host. I'm, technically, this is well as far as being a host. This is probably my fourth time. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess you count the other time. There's a couple times you missed. I did it with Dave. What did I miss? The show. You missed at least once. I know. I remember me and Dave doing it. Mm, I gotta remember because I know I missed the Whippy Doo one, which I blame on. I guess right here coming up shortly. The donuts. That's his fault. I missed the Whippy Doo guest. I think you know. I'll get into it anyway. I introduce. Duh, because you know, not a lot of stuff, not a lot of Bulls news out there, really. So let's get on it. Duh, Thonis is, I guess, um, the uh, the analyst, the basketball analyst, the NBA <laughs> guru when it comes to economics. The guru? Dang. In Chicago, uh, oh. from Bulls Beat, from, he's an historic blogger back in the day. He once um, bumped shoulders with, um, I don't know, who did he bump shoulders with, Duck? Back in the day, that, uh, I I still have Gar Foreman's cell phone number. Gar Foreman, that's right. Gar Foreman's cell phone number is Gar Foreman's best friend. Calls him at two in the morning. I don't know why he calls him at two in the morning. Doug answers anyway, though. I don't know why. I don't get <laughs> the conversation. You might want to block block that number. <laughs> <laughs> Put him on the block list. <laughs> I'm I got Doug a great Gar Foreman story if you need one. Oh yeah, 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 man. So yeah, get it. You know what? Get into the get into the get into the story because there's not a lot to talk about. We'll, we'll get into, it. but yeah, I want to hear the story. So tell us, first of all, tell us how did you get his number? Well, he and gave it to me. He gave it to. You. Why did he give you his number? Did he just randomly give you his number? It's like, hey, you're a nice looking guy. Here's my number. I think. I mean, I was a credentialed media member for like a couple of years, and I think anyone on the media just had Gar Foreman's number. Like, okay, he was more open. The, like, the real number or the fake number? It was the real number, right? Well. It was, it, I never actually called his number. So I, I don't know, but he called me in it and it came up on caller ID as Gar Foreman. So, oh, so okay. I mean, it was seemed like his legit number. And yeah, so the first time Gar Foreman ever called me, he got my number from, uh, I think, the um, public relations people. You had to sign in when you went to events and give them your information as part of the credentialing process. And I wrote a story. This was the year Taj Gibson and James Johnson were uh, drafted and I had an inside source who worked for the bulls at the time um, and would give me like random tidbits of stuff. And he told me Taj Gibson looks phenomenal, like really early on. And he said, James Johnson looks awful. And he said, they, he's already dogging it at practice. They had to yell at him like for something. And he, he got kicked out of practice or whatever. And so I, I posted this on an article and Gar Foreman called me demanding to know how I heard this. And saying it was completely untrue, and was and like just harassed me for like twenty minutes trying to find out my source of information for it. And I was like, I know I'm a minor league blogger, but I'm not dumb enough to tell you who told me this. Like, if I ever want to hear anything again, must have been true. It was must have been true, (laughs) definitely true. But did he offer offer you anything? He did not offer me anything. He just he just figured I would fold with nobody. And then uh, yeah, I got a question. Did he threaten you? He did not threaten me either. Oh, okay. He didn't hurt me there. He just was like, 
It was just, this isn't true. Who told you this? I just want to make sure it's fixed internally. So he didn't offer, nor did he threaten. He did not try to like say, I'll revoke your media access or anything like that. Like, so it, it was actually always really nice to me. There was one day we were going to a, just a friend of mine. We were going to a Pacers Bulls game in Indiana. And we got there super early and we walked in like as they opened the gates. And so everyone was still practicing and Gar Foreman and John Paxson were in the stands watching the guys warm up. And we just walked down to the floor to kind of like get close up to the players. And I didn't see them there. But then Gar Foreman like yelled, oh, hey, Doug, why don't you come over? And then he, he came and pulled us over and he talked with us. And my buddy was blown away that Gar Foreman knew who I, who I was and recognized me even in Indianapolis. So. Um, those are probably my two Gar Foreman interactions, but he was always really nice. Every year when I went to media day, he would pull me aside and he would talk to me for like five minutes. So right. I, you know, I don't, I, I don't know that I thought a whole ton of him as general manager, but, uh, as a, as a guy, he was, he was always really nice to all the media people. And, you know, I was the minorest of minorest media <sighs> people. And he still would always make an effort to talk with me anytime he saw me. And I, I have to say that was at least really nice, you know, for someone like myself, who wasn't like so- a big type person. That's good to hear because you you don't hear little stuff like that, right? I always hear it's like the guys say, hey, oh, she lies, backstabber. And sure, probably, those are things that probably, probably true. Probably true. Probably both true. Things, both things can be true. Both right? things can be true. He's very prof- professional, apparently, and respectful of his colleagues. Real, his real colleagues. quick, because Gar, I mean, hindsight, he did some good things. Maybe we can go around the horn real quick. Best thing and worst thing Gar did. I guess Gar Pax. Well, not Paxson, because he was there before. Just Gar, his era. God. I, you know, technically, I think Gar was responsible for the Jimmy Butler draft, right? Yep. That was my yeah. so I would say that I would say that has to be the best thing. And then the worst thing was everything that happened after the Jimmy Butler draft. <laughs> <laughs> like like in, in, in like a hundred thousand way tie of like every yeah. every move afterwards. I actually have a lot of respect for the old front office, even then maybe we'll get into that later. But I have a theory, which is like if you had just said Arturus Karnaschovas was a pet rock and just did nothing after we hired him, but just kept all the guys that were here when he got here, we'd be better off than we are today, um, which actually speaks something for the front office. And that wow. just if we were a little more patient, like might have been OK compared to where we are now. Right. You know, well, I would I would agree with you. I'm sorry, though. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I would agree the Jimmy Butler draft. That was probably the best thing. Uh, by far the worst thing was summer 2016 when you say you're trading Derrick Rose because we're about to rebuild, but then you turn around and get Wade and Rondo. Uh, you know, just I would never forgive him for the, the D Rose trade. Sorry. I got deep thoughts on the summer of 2016. <laughs> but Chris, go ahead. <laughs> give, give us your. No, uh, no, Jay Butler's drive is fine. Um, you know, I don't have a problem with the way Wade that I know. People hate the fact that Ron. I didn't have a problem with that, but I, like, but I didn't. I didn't believe that. Yeah, I know. It's, it, yeah, all right. Well, yeah, and also, you know, we're getting younger and faster, and you end up getting older and slower. And it, yeah, yeah, your, <laughs> your host, and you get. We gave D Rose up. Did we even, we didn't get picks back. You know, you say you're rebuilding and everything. We didn't get picks back. We didn't get that. Like it was done. We didn't even save time. money. Like Lopez's yeah. contract went longer than Rose's contract, so it's not even like we opened up cap space like dramatically earlier either. Right. Um, it was it was a really weird. I think they just want to move on from Rose. It, maybe they had to, but yeah, it wasn't like, it wasn't a move that you look back and be like, 
oh, thank God we got that rose anchor off our chest. Now we can do something else. Like, well, yeah. there was because like there was, it was a business and like personal kind of thing going on with that. Uh, the whole yeah, situation. and so they yeah for them it was more than just business. Yeah, that that could be true. But you know, Arturis is our current um, was the VP, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's funny because we mention his name all the time. Oh, we hear his name all the time. It's always like he's the GM, but he's not. <laughs> yeah. Right. So let's play respect for Eversley. He's actually the GM of the team. But he his hit this was some of this. I'm gonna talk I'm gonna start off with Summer League. I'm just with quick thoughts on that because it's not that entertaining. But have, did you guys one watch the Bulls in the Summer League? About and a game two, and a half. And two, your thoughts in general about what you saw. <laughs> the little that you saw, what did you, what, what did you, what did you, what did you expect for summer league when you first okay. watched the D? And just your thoughts, what you saw. Okay, so I caught a game in about a half of a game. The big takeaway for me, so I'm a realist, so I, I kind of focus on people that ha- that we know that they're going to have a spot in the organization. Dalen Terry has NBA talent. I don't know his ceiling yet, but he he deserves to to get a look this year, like a, a serious, like let's invest 10 minutes a game with this guy to at least see what we got. So he he's, he's NBA talented. That was the big takeaway for me. And we know, at least we should know we're not in a position to win a championship. So we need to be figuring out what we have this year. So 10, 15 minutes a game, they should invest that in him at least the first 20 games of the season. That was my big takeaway. So, okay. So, for the one game. So, that that sounds like last year, though, doesn't it? How's that even different different than uh, the last year, that takeaway? Well, we did, he didn't play. He played a little bit. No, I'm talking about during the season. Okay. But but, but you saw – but you saw – did you see improvement at all in this game? Yeah, I see more confidence. You more know? confidence? Which is, which is natural. You probably had the biggest leap of confidence from year, year one to year two. You know, he seems more fluid, you know, as far as like, you know, just stepping into those mid ranges and feeling comfortable and things like that. So, yeah. How about you? How about you, Doug? Um, I know you was, you know, you know, uh, just totally engaged in Summer League, you know, wondering who's going to win that ring. Completely um, engaged. Uh, how, so tell us how engaged were you? <laughs> I was engaged enough that I watched the recordings on YouTube TV. I love YouTube TV. I just like click the summer league button and then it's like every summer yes. league game is recording. I can just go watch what I want, which in this case was very little. Um, this was the first year I didn't watch every game in its entirety. Like normally I do that because I'm so basketball starved. I'll just watch anything by this point. But um, this year I didn't watch a whole lot. I watched basically the rotation minutes and then I just fast forward. As soon as like someone I didn't no one I cared about was on the floor. Skip, 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 skip. Find the next 10 minutes where either Terry or Phillips comes in. And that, that was kind of it. So I, I sort of watched their minutes. My takeaways in general, I don't know if we're talking about him. Julian Phillips, I thought looked better than I expected. Like, I'm like, I could see how this gate, dude. All right, I get it. I get why we drafted him. We'll see what happens, but I get why we drafted him. And then Dale and Terry, I had sort of the reverse uh, thought of D. Like, well, everything I thought he looked good at before, I still thought he looked good at, which is like hustle, defense. You know, I think he has pretty good passing vision. But then, like, can't shoot. It's like 25% from the field over summer league. I think it was, or 27%. And I'm like 25% from three. And I was just like, all right, still can't shoot. Like 
I don't know how you can be Dalen Terry and not just put up a thousand threes a day with like a trainer. Like you got like millions of dollars on the line. Like just say you could shoot threes at 40% clip. You would have like $200 million in contracts over the rest of your life. If you could do this one thing, like if I just had to do one thing, that's all I would do all day, like eight hours a day. I'd just be shooting threes, I'd, like 5,000 a day, however many it takes. It's all I would do all day. If I could just do this one thing, I'm going to have $200 million. I can't imagine how much time I would invest in it. And like, it just didn't look to me like his form is still janky and his accuracy still wasn't there. I, he actually had decent G League shooting numbers, I think. So maybe this was just a rough patch mm-hmm. of shooting. Like it's such a small sample size that like I don't take too much from it. But I just I hope he can do that because everything else, it's like, yep, I could totally see how the defense translates. I could see how the passing translates and the ball handling is good enough for what position he play. He just has to be able to shoot an open three better than Javante Green or Derek Jones Jr. to use last year's lineup or whoever else we have this year. But now with Javon Carter and um, and Craig in there, it's it's going to be a little tougher to crack those shooting minutes. But uh, I. That, that, that's what it is to me. Is can you learn to shoot the open shot? If you can, then you really have a long career. If not, he probably can stick as a role player at the minimum somewhere as a defensive hustle guy, but then he's Shaq Harrison and just fighting for next year's minimum deal every year. So do, you, I, do you agree? I'm sorry, Doug. No, go do, ahead. You, do you agree that we should see what we have in him immediately or no? It's a weird question because my – Outlook, if I ran this team, is so different from the current outlook that I think we're managing towards that, like, yes, if I ran the team, I'd be like, yeah, let's let's get this guy some minutes. Let's get him some burn. It's a priority to see what we have. But the way we're actually running the team looks like it's a priority to win as many games as possible this year, regardless of what happens next year. We're a stock company managing its stock quarter to quarter because we're, you know, in an earnings decline and revenue decline, trying to cut expenses to, to get ahead of next quarter. And right. so based on what I think we're actually going to do and what the goals of the organization are this year, which I don't agree with the goals, but I think our actual goals are, I don't think they should play Terry if they want to achieve them. But to your point, I would much rather align towards your goals than what I think we're going to actually do. Yeah, I, I like your thoughts on, um, cause like, yeah, Terry, it's funny. I'm like, you want to go on YouTube and you're like, what are the players doing in the summer? And they always show the clips of them working out. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but did you shoot? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, did you learn how to dribble? You know, things of that nature. And, like, when I looked at him, I wanted, you know, he, he looked pretty much the same size, of course, you know. Everyone wants to get bigger, right? And, yeah, you got to get bigger and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's the same size. But, yeah, to your point, I watched three and a half games out of five on YouTube TV because, like, I wasn't, I wasn't going to watch a lot of games, but then, then YouTube TV makes it so friendly. I was like, I think I'm auto recording Bulls games. Right? Let me go through. Boom, boom. Oh, and record a summer league. So I'll casually watch the games and whatnot. And my eye was on Terry and Phillips. And Terry looked okay. <laughs> I at least wanted him to look like he almost didn't belong. I don't want to Tony Snell, the summer league. Like Tony Snell looked like he didn't belong there. But at least look like you're on a slightly different level than the players you're playing in the summer league. At least look a little bit like that. And I did not see that at all. I didn't see anything remotely extra better improvement wise. He's a very connected player. He's a very good passer, very good defensive player to, to your point. And to your point, D, he's definitely an NBA player at some point, right? But there's just like, you want to know for once, can the Bulls get a player that's like sneaky good, that sneaky has a high ceiling that you do really think. And I don't know if he's that guy. 
where we go, okay, he's really, really that good. No, he's just, right. he's cool. He's cool. But to your point, though, man, I.O., shoot a three, you get a big contract. You're open. All you want, all we ask you to do is hit an open three. Not contested. Hit open three. Terry, hit open three. It's open. You're not asking you to take contested shots. Ah, oh, it's so frustrating because, like, I'm watching it also thinking, like, okay, obviously we need shooting. Who are they throwing in there <laughs> that, could, that could remotely shoot for the Bulls this year or maybe next year? And no one on that team I was impressed with at shooting-wise. But I was right. like, he come in, hit open threes. I didn't stay either at all. Um, I did like Phillips um, too as well. This one, I this certain plays D when you watch him and you watch him do like two plays and you like, I like that he could hoop, he could hoop. Phillips mm-hmm. had that for me though. When I watched him, he just looked like he belongs on the floor. It doesn't mean he'd be great, but he definitely belongs in the league. He definitely has like these little skills. He has a niche already. I see him because like I know I don't think he shot well the last couple of games, but his shot looks nice, and he's confident shooting the three in a jump shot. And it, I think he has a pretty good jump shot that maybe more people thought. Um, D, you live in town watching. I know you watched the first game. I think he had a. I don't think he played the first game really. But D, did yeah. you get Sansi Phillips at all? Any highlights? Anything like that? Yeah, and, and probably why I have the total opposite take for Dalen Terry because I only only saw like a game and a half. Yeah, and, yeah, but you saw you basically saw anything, yeah anything 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 yeah. you know, crazy. Phillips, I mean, the big thing about him, the same I said about Dalen, the little I saw, he looks like he belongs. Yeah, he does. He does. You know, uh, he look he looks like he be- he belongs at least. So, like, see me, my my whole philosophy for this uh, upcoming season, man. Let's see what we got, and then like let's try to get some picks because we don't have draft picks for like a couple years and things like that. If, if we, you know, if we got something, let's let's nourish that. If we don't, let's let's make a move. Let's do something. You know, but. I mean, he looks like he belongs, you know, Phillips. So I will put him in the same boat, you know, if they, I don't know if they're going to sign him to a two-way or whatever, but. Um, he's uh, signed a four, four-year deal. Just oh. uh, if you guys weren't aware, he's, so it's a four-year second. There's a new exception and a new collective bargaining agreement, the second round exception. So he's signed under that. So it's three years with a team option. Um, you're not a restricted free agent. If you go four years, as a second round pick. Okay. So a pretty good chance we would decline the option, even if we like him. So we can make him a restricted free agent after three years and then match any deal. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll get a raise earlier. That maybe is some weird trivia that'll be determined in three years, but he is signed. And the fact they invested so many years into him uh, means we'll have control for, you know, they, they liked what they saw. It, you know, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say he's only 19 as well. So yeah, he's 19. You know, it's a guy, a guy that's going to take um, a little bit more, more time than a typical second rounder. Like usually your second rounders aren't 18, 19. They're, Right. They're a little older, and they they slipped because maybe the potential isn't as high. So he's kind of a, a rare bird in terms of being like a young guy, maybe with a decent ceiling, good ceiling that was less refined. Like those guys are usually going back to school if they don't have first round promises. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, so to get a guy like that in the second round, you know, high upside, but you know, maybe high bust factor too. Like he wasn't incredibly productive. There's a reason he wasn't drafted in the first round as a 19 year old as well. But I, I liked what I saw. Yeah, he he played one year, I think, in college. Yeah. Right. And uh, he looks very, he's obviously not built. He's 19. His body has not matured. He looks so small oh. up there. Watch him go for rebounds. He could jump a little bit, but he gets bumped out. So <laughs> he's bumps, bumps with somebody going for going for rebound. He flies like five feet. But the guy has instincts, and you just see it right away. Like if, yeah. if, the, if there's someone on the bulls right now that I can hold hopes 
that could actually have a, like a higher cylinder than I thought. I'm hoping he can. Because he's, he's a in a little bit of summer league, I just want to be like, can I just already insert this guy's attitude into Patrick Williams? Like oh. he, actually, he actually tried to get an offensive rebound. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, he he moved towards the ball. I was like, I haven't seen this out of a Bulls power forward in like five years. Like so, it yeah. was uh, it was it was really thrilling to have. So whatever, I, I, summer league you can never take too much from. Like, I if you want to yeah. go back and look at the summer league MVPs, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anthony Randolph. God, who was Lonnie Baxter of the Bulls? I believe was Lonnie summer Baxter. league MVP one year. Like so, it's like you know whatever. <laughs> like it just you can never take too much from summer league one way or the other. It's a weird. It's a really weird thing to to try and get value out of, but you know, in the extent of like, what else are you going to talk about, about basketball uh, three weeks into July? Like, you know, it, it was, it was generally a positive, I would say. Okay. Okay. So what do you think now, though, I want you to respond upon what you said earlier. You said, you know, the Bulls uh, sort of uh plan this year is not kind of the plan that you kind of want for them. Um, yeah. How would you describe, this, this, the plan for the Bulls this year, what is saying? I mean, to do anything you can to make the playoffs this year, regardless of what the impact is next year. Like, I think that's their plan. Like, all mm-hmm. their moves kind of, like, are dictated towards that. I think they feel more strongly about the group of players they have than probably we do, and maybe most of the fans do. Um, I don't think they look at it as, like, wow, this is a dead end. Like, they look at it as, with continuity, we could keep building on this, and maybe... You know, I would look at it and say, Demar and Vooch, even if they do well enough this year, like you have to view there's risk of them performing each additional year is high. Um, just, just because of their ages, like they're just not players that are going to continue to get better. They're going to be on the downside, and that's really a huge chunk of our productivity. So you look at this team; it's going to get more expensive next year. You're going to have to re-up DeRozan. If he has three All Stars seasons in a row, like he's going to cost more. Patrick Williams is going to need a new contract and just based on his body type size and the way and the NBA values wings, he's probably going to cost more. And so you're already, but, but up right against the luxury tax for a fringe playoff team. And it's going to get more expensive. It's just really hard to see how you could even sustain what you have going forward. And, and I think that's why I'd say like, you see what you have. And if this isn't it, and I don't think it is, then you're going to have to make moves to pivot out of this into something else. And the longer you wait to make those moves, the less return you're going to get on those moves that you make. Like it's like their values will be less and less. And we're probably already past the point where you're going to get good value for DeMar DeRozan or Nikola Vucevic. So now they're kind of just tied to what this roster is and they're going to try to get the most they can out of it. Hmm. So Dave, how are you thinking the direction of the team this year? I mean, are you for just making the playoffs? Obviously we want the team to win the championship. But well, are you are, are you more into just throw young players out there, see what you got, and this one this playoff first round and out thing is not good enough. No, so if 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 they're thinking, okay, we need to make the playoffs by any means necessary, we need to be watchable. There's moves to be made. You know, if you like last pod, I said if you want to just win more games and be competitive, go get Chris Paul when he was available and everything. There's still a few like vet minimums you can do. I don't know how much space we got as far as like um, room on the roster now, but like why is like Kemba Walker or John Wall not even an option? Because even with this team, we played better with a with a better than average point guard. So you know when when Lonzo Ball was on the floor, we we were actually in first place. You know that's 
you know, we got hard evidence. We got proof of that. You know, we can go back and look at the numbers. And so if you just want to be competitive, put out a, 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 a nice product and make maybe get a six seed, you know, and not have to be a play in and things like that. Why can't we consider John Wall or Timber Walker? They're, they're there and available for the minimum. Yeah, I, I, I'm assuming Doug is thinking like, well, what they how much money they have under the salary salary cap? What two million? The under? Uh, now, they've, they've got three roster spots left. They have Io Desumu's qualifying offer out there for five point two million, and they have enough to sign two guys to the vet minimum, um, and still stay under the luxury tax. So that's probably what they'll do. I think at this point it's hard to say they can't withdraw Io's qualifying offer anymore. There was a up until July thirteenth. They could have rescinded that offer, but now they can only rescind it if Iowa agrees. They can mutually agree to end the qualifying offer, allowing him to become an unrestricted free agent, which Iowa has no reason to do unless he's got another deal on the table for $5.2 million, which I don't know at this point that he would have. Um, so basically, we can sign two vet men guys, though. So, we, I mean, you could use a vet men guy and one of those guys. Um, yeah, but uh, wouldn't be my choice. I think the thing with Lonzo that really we missed was the shooting aspect of what he did. Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. he, he certainly he did point guard things for us and that's, that's great. But like we missed the defense and we missed the shooting. And when you saw Pat Beverly come in and I'm not a big believer in the Pat Bev effect of like, wow, this guy <laughs> changed everything, but he did help some. And when, what he helped with is to me was like, all right, we now had a better point of attack defender and a guy for who at least scared people a little bit while shooting His shooting. Didn't really, work all that well, but he was at least willing to kind of take shots for a while. And and people had at least some historical respect for him. And so I think defense and shooting is what we kind of need out of the point guard to make the rest of this roster go well. And Javon Carter hopefully solves those, those problems for us. We'll see how he does on the floor, but um, you know, at least in theory, he's a great point of attack defender and he he shot really well last year. So, you know, it seems like he should fill, those two niches. He's not going to add anything in terms of ball distribution like Lonzo did or ball handling or whatever, but, but he will uh, fill those two really important uh, things for us. And, you know, I, I think in terms of getting the best thing you could do for this year, you know, Carter and Craig were, were really good signings to maximize this year's potential roster. Uh, so, you know, in that sense, I think that I'm not a big fan of what the front office did. If you follow me on Twitter or listen to my show, you'd know that, but but in terms of what their goals are, I don't know that they could have done a whole lot better this offseason. Just that I, I'm already like, yeah, this team probably isn't it. You should be pivoting, not not trying to double down. <laughs> Who did you start at point guard? Who did you start at point guard? The, the game one. Javon Carter. I, I I think no question. I mean, it's like you have you could start Kobe, and I but I think it's like you want to have one of Kobe. You want two of Kobe, Zach, and. DeMar on the floor at all times if I was running a team. And so you can't start all three because now when someone has to go out, you don't really have the right. fire off power off the bench. Whereas Carter is just a straight three and D guy, even though he's not going to bring the ball up. Now maybe, maybe DeMar and Zach have to handle some of that extra responsibility a little bit, but the ball goes into their hands immediately anyway. Um, and then, you know, Carter is there to space the floor and, and defend. And then when you take out one of those guys, one of our big scorers, you bring in Kobe White. And now you've always got two kind of shot creators on the floor at all times. And and that'll also be a bonus compared to last year where we really didn't have that. Like you, you kind of, um, I mean, especially cause they, they didn't go to Kobe till so late in the season, you know, they right. like, I think for a while they're like, no, Iowa is going to be the thing. And, 
we want to give Io all the opportunity to fail. And we don't like Kobe White because he was the last regime's guy. And we hate everyone the last regime brought in, <laughs> which is also why we're going to get rid of Zach Levine instead of DeMar DeRozan. And all the news is about that because Zach was also last regime's guy. Um, but eventually it was like Kobe White just played his way onto the floor. Like he just did mm-hmm. well enough. They had to, to put him out there. So anyway, that, that's kind of my off, my off the cuff thinking is like you got those three guys who can create shots and you want two of them on the floor at all times to have like balance in terms of um, making it difficult to defend at least a little bit. Yeah, I like the, um, you know, it's funny. This is what to go about to Io. I just trying to figure out like your Io and like all they do is bring in players that uh, take your position. <laughs> it's like that just you know it's funny because like I mentioned early on like I was gonna be traded a couple of years. I remember Dave was like whatever. I'm like why not? Because I don't I didn't quite see anything. Beverly start over here, and Beverly's he's a vet point guard, but like that should have been the Io. If you're really good, if you have some game, the the front office shouldn't be going out to <laughs> getting old free agents to take your spot. Like, you should be good enough to do that. Play the point guard position at some point on a regular basis, and man, he's gonna be that man out. But General D, what do you think about the um, Tory Craig or Javon? Because I do agree with you. The is that I think they did pretty much, you know, max out what they could do. I know mm-hmm. uh, D, you mentioned before, you know, of course having Wall here at some point. Chris Paul, I don't think Chris Paul's coming here anyway. But well, Chris Paul to your, point, to, your, to your point to your point though, why not? If you're just trying to win ten more games. <laughs> why, not, why, not, why not bring in like Wall to like even though Wall can't not shoot, but well you know I, I would lean more towards Kemba Walker. And I'm not even Kemba. Kim, Kim, no, no, Kemba yeah. reminds me of for some reason. He reminds me of uh, Damon Stoudemire. Damon, Damon Stoudemire's Stoudemire. career because Damon Stoudemire herky jerky style was so unique to the NBA. They couldn't figure it out for two years, and then after <laughs> a couple, after a couple of years, they figured out his herky jerky style. And I think same thing with Kimba. That that in and out move he does all the time. I think they figured out Kimba. And he's been he's been hurt. And they, don't get me wrong, but I think they I think they kind of figured his game out a little bit. And he's sort of like David Stoudemire. His uh his, what does he his, shoot from three from for his career? I bet it's over 37, 38%. I don't know. Like, I think, close to 40, probably. Close, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm not, I can't argue too much about that. But we got Tory sure. Craig and Javon Carter. D. Okay. <laughs> Tory Craig. Where where would you play him at? Small or power forward? Both. I believe he plays a small forward. Um, you could, you could play both. I think I think mostly power forward. He's a power forward for us. I mean, we're playing Alex Caruso at power forward most games. So, yeah. Like and, if you're um, if you're over six five, you're a Bulls power forward. I mean, he'd right. be a center for us. I mean, you know, like why are you even thinking so small? <laughs> could, like we're playing <laughs> Derek Jones Jr., who's like two hundred pounds and like. What like six five? Oh. Like he played like probably forty percent of his minutes at center. Like mm-hmm. there's no one who loves that small ball more than Billy Donovan. So and, and I even saying that's necessarily bad based on the roster we have. It's not like we have a bunch of legit power forwards on the roster where you're like we can throw a couple six ten guys out there. Right. Um, yeah. But I think for us he has to be a power forward because your only big men are Patrick Williams, uh, uh, Nikola Vucevic, and Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. And then and then Craig is like. I mean, the next best legit big man you have in terms of like body weight and like real physical size, like ignoring height, but like in terms of just not getting his ass thrown around, like yeah, I don't, he, and I don't, even, it. I don't even consider P. Will a big guy. Yeah, or yeah, he, I agree. Yeah, he's like on yeah, the smaller yeah. side of a, but that's yeah. also kind of the modern NBA, right? Like, there's no more. I think small forward and power forward. It's kind of like there's maybe maybe a team's run a point guard, maybe they run a center, and then everyone else is sort of like interchangeable. 
wings of of like, yeah, we want really as many six five versatile guys on the floor as we can have. Seems to be like the general direction. Like, you know, unless you're a super elite guy. I think what they're saying is that no one, everyone's scared or don't want to try to post up. Like, work on your game, buddy. I tired of watching right. players scared to post up in the paint. But um, anyway, think, that's not. But I yeah, I, Tory Craig. Ahead. Was, I think Tory Craig. That's a solid, you know, acquisition right there. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Javon Carter is too. But my concern is more with the Javon Carter. If the reason for bringing him in, the expectation that he's going to be our full time starting point guard because he's not a playmaker. You know, and I I love those those three and D guys at the two or the three or as a six man, you know, things like that. So that's more of a concern. I know Doug brought it up last segment. And if that's their their plan, he's going to be our full time PG. And I wouldn't even call DeMar or Zach. None of them are playmakers. So, you know, no, they're Gooch, not. Gooch is our best playmaker. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's one of the things that I think, too. And I, it's funny because when, when Javon Carter, when I would watch him play every year, he would do something I didn't think he could do. He got better every year. I was like, oh, Gerard Carter. Oh, he's, oh, did he just pull up and shoot a three? Oh, he got three-point shot now. Did he just post up? Oh, okay, that's interesting. Did he take some out the dribble? Okay, he actually improved every year. I don't know what his son is, but to your point, D, sometimes when, you, when, you, when, you, when you're on the court too much, you kind of show your faults. And he's probably good off the bench, 15 minutes, whatever game. But when you start a lineup, you know, all, all the things that you're not good at, you know, uh, in all the pores uh, sort of show, right? And to your point, he is not really a playmaker. Um, yeah. Can he, if he does get those minutes to start lineup, can he hit those shots consistently? Because you're going to get more of them, more opportunity to, instead of just come on the bench, hitting a couple of threes and, you know, and sit back down. Who's going to get him those shots? I, you know, I agree. And to Doug's point, to my ball all the time, that's what ball did. That's what ball did. Yeah, like um, who's going to get him those shots, especially with Billy Donovan's philosophy, 80% of the offense is one-on-one. Yeah, and he, and he keeps saying he wants to play fast, but he doesn't do things to play fast. We don't have a roster <laughs> to play fast. Like, let's just be serious. Like, Nikola Vucevic is not a fast player. DeMar, DeMar, DeRozan, DeMar, on the court. DeMar DeRozan is not a fast player. Like, there's, like, maybe a lineup you can throw on that's fast, but, like, two of your key guys don't want to play fast and aren't really suited to play fast. Like, so it's it, and they're like two of your main guys, right? Like, so it, it's hard. And I don't know why you would say that. Like, just, just you, sometimes you got to go with what you have and not with what you want to do. The one thing I'll say is last year, I thought the team had a ton of open threes. Like, oh, yeah. if I had a dollar for every time IO passed up an open three or, you know, Pat Williams passed up an open three or even Pat Beverly when he got here passed up a three or I, or sorry, um, Caruso passed up three. So I think, I think Javon Carter will get his looks. Like Zach and Demar and Vooch can draw enough double teams between the three of them. Like when those three guys are on the court, the other two guys are going to get looks that are open. Like no one, no one's thinking like I got to stop Javon Carter when those other guys are on the floor. So he'll get he'll get his chances, and you know he had, he had probably great opportunities in Milwaukee, right? I mean, playing with Giannis, I'm sure he also yeah. was shooting wide open looks. But mm-hmm. I think those looks will be like we desperately needed a guy who could just hit open three point shots. <laughs> Somebody. And so I think I think Javon Carter maybe can do that. I agree with you, D. Like I don't think he's like a 35 minute game guy. And we'll probably do point guard by committee. I think he starts just because he's a better fit with the starters. But I don't mean it like he's a starting caliber point guard. I just mean he's a better fit with the starters. He might be in the Keith Bogans mold of starting. Like yeah, we'll throw you in eight minutes in the first, eight minutes in the third, maybe a little bit more than Bogans. He gets four minutes 
in the the second somewhere and four minutes in the fourth somewhere, but like in, in plays like you know, 24, 25 minutes a game, that's about what I see his role probably being maybe 28 tops. Um, and when you need something different, then you're going to bring in Kobe White, you're going to bring in Crusoe, you're going to bring in maybe Io. I think he'll be back most likely. So you got a lot of options. I think it's going to be a lot of committee point guard based on what you need with who else is out there and how you fill that. Like we just, we just don't have a 35 minute a game point guard on the roster and we're not going to get one. Think about this too. If you want to, if you want to think about it possibly, we got a slightly better Patrick Beverly. Yeah. And Patrick Beverly actually slightly improved the team last year. So you would think you have a little better version of him. And I'm still more scared. I mean, I'll be I'll be more fearful to your point, Doug, of Javon Carter shooting open threes than Beverly. He's tricky. But yeah, Carter has open three point shot. I'm more optimistic it would go in. But I do worry about the to the playmaking. There's a point in town where we're going to look at the four. We're going, we're going to say, everyone all, all together in Chicago is going to say, we need a point guard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's going to happen. They had, So they didn't fully address it, but you know they did get a slightly better Pat Bev, which is not a bad thing given the uh, what was out there for the taking. Yeah. One thing I think is really challenging when you have a roster like ours, and you don't have like a true star player, like a LeBron or Giannis or a Jokic or whatever. Um, and you've got like a bunch of really good players. Like, so you've got Vooch and Levine and DeRozan. You're like good players. And now it's like, you're trying to become a much better team, but like your margin for getting better is so much harder because like, you don't have any like just complete junk players playing starting minutes or anything. So like, if you're like the Phoenix suns at this point and you're like, all right, we got like three or four superstars. And then the whole rest of the roster is hot garbage. Like your odds of signing a guy at the minimum who is better than complete hot garbage aren't so bad. When right. your odds of signing like like kind of like low end guys to improve a roster that's like doesn't have elite talent but kind of has a lot of good talent spread around, you know, it's like like Javante Green probably won't be back and Derek Jones Jr. probably won't be back. But like those are like good players and it's hard to replace them on minimum salaries and get a player that's that good on a minimum salary. So it's like and Tory Greg may actually be a better fit than those guys are. But it's, it's harder to make incremental improvements with the type of roster we have, given the restrictions of what we had to work with. And I think that's like a real tough thing. Like, like before it was point guard, before that it was like, we can't get a shooting guard. Before that, it was like, we couldn't get a, like in the Rose era, we could never find a shooting guard. And before the Rose era, it was like, we could never find a big man. Like we could never find a post player. And so it's like, you're always missing something when you don't have a true star, like that's really the difference. No team has five guys who are good. Good. They always have like three good guys. And then a bunch of guys who are kind of barely hanging on. And we complain about the guys barely hanging on, but the real problem is the good guys we have aren't good enough to like work with guys barely hanging on. Yeah. I guess I get to that. Cause I bring it up every year. I bring this up. I said, you know, I'm all, I never thought for a second Levine was going anywhere or cause the auteurs, Eversley, they all said, when the first guy here, they want to build. They don't want to make herky jerky moves. They want to build a team where every team progresses and gets better, better every year. And every year, I always say, they talk about Zach Levine. Can you make the next step? And and it's funny because like you bring up like like they aren't having all good players on your team winning championship is kind of rare. And you bring up you know a couple of teams. You bring up Detroit, right? Detroit. Players were like top five at, at the position. All of them. Rasheed Wallace at any given day was the best player in the NBA. Yes. <laughs> Billups, 
couple of times was like the best player to you know player of the month, whatever like that. They had top three, top five players at like four positions on the team. The Bulls, all these very good players on the team, you know, Vucevic, Levine, DeRozan, they're all top five at their position. Maybe Vuce was top five at his, at his position. That's a real stretch, Chris. It's a real stretch. Vooch. No, he's not. So it's like, so it's like, it's so like, what are you hinging on? Like, what are you hinging on? I, I, I get, I get. That's why I always say it, Zach Levine is the key. They're looking at him every year. I'm like, please get effing better. What you do? Learn how to dribble in the fourth quarter. Are you working on dribbling in the fourth quarter? You know, it all hinges on him because Doug, you don't win. To your point, right? You need great players. You need top five players to win a championship. You don't have that. You got to be top three your position as your position. And I know Zach got paid and all this kind of stuff, but you got to be better, man. You got to be better. And uh, so we're just looking at, to your point, we all, you know, we, that's why we said, you know, saying like, D was like, you just want to win 10 more games. Get John Wall. <laughs> win 10 more yeah. games. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I have a question to you guys. So I've been dying. I mentioned Phillips earlier. I want to see if somebody just unexpectedly gets better. It's like, I didn't know he was that good. Who do you have hope this year? That with, with this year, when the game, when the lights come on and start the season, who do you think will actually show great improvement? And you're like, oh, okay, that's different. I Is there anybody on the scene? Do you expect? Who do you expect? Not what you want. Who do you expect? Oh, uh, see, that's that's. And we all know we want Pat yeah, Will to become. Yeah, you know, that's, that's it. I I would love to see P Will take a step in a, in a positive direction. I don't have confidence that anybody's going to take a significant step. Doug, do you think anybody's going to take a significant step? No, D's right. No one's going to take a significant step. If I had to put if I had to put money on someone, I'd say Kobe White will get better Um, because I think he's shown like good progression. And to your point of like every year he comes back, he shows me something like a little bit new from the previous year. Like this year, I thought like it's it's weird because his statistical profile this year was maybe his worst in the league, a lot due to minutes, but. But his ball handling looks so much tighter. Like in his first couple of years, I thought he was like a drunken kung fu ball handler. Like it just <laughs> like he was just like always on the verge of like throwing the ball like the tenth row while trying to handle it. And all of a sudden last year I was like, damn, his handle is like it's reasonably tight now. He's not making all these bad turnovers. His his vision looks a lot better. He's not making these mental mistakes. Like he really looked like he worked on a lot of things. And so I think like Kobe's defense got better. Like I think he's just I've seen him make these incremental improvements and I feel like if they commit to him and they give him minutes, there's a chance he's going to be unlocked and he can still show some significant growth uh, this year. So if I had to put some money on someone, Kobe White would be the guy I would put money on based on what I've seen out of his work ethic. But I just think like athletically, he's just not in a tier where it's like, there's a whole lot of ceiling anyway, even with all these things, like he's, he's not a freak athlete. He doesn't have like a freak build. So even if he makes all these improvements, like there's still a ceiling on where he's going to go unless he just becomes a Steph Curry like shooter. And there's, like, I mean, there's really no reason to think anyone is going to make that type of leap. Like anyone could be an elite player if all of a sudden they just start shooting lights out. So, uh, but but he's the guy I think I've seen the most from. And yeah, I, I think the Bulls are just to your point, Chris. Maybe they're just like the Wizards on the first Beal contract, where it's like. You know, when they maxed Bradley Beal the first time around, even before this extension, you're like, well, where are you going to go with this? Like, Beal's not that great. And I get Levine is the same way. It's like, all right, we're signed up to try and lose in the first round. 
Um, that kind of feels like where the bulls are. And the alternative is you like let the guy go and then then now you're signed up to just try and get draft picks and be bad for a long time. And so I get why franchises struggle with that. It's like Zach, it's not like you could just say, instead of Zach, I wish I had a superstar. Like you have no way to get the superstar. So now it's I either take the best guy I can get and pay him a lot of money or I let him go. And now I'm a lot worse. And then I just have my cross my fingers plan. So it, even though I, I'm not at all happy with how we've managed things, like I, I get it. Like it's, it's really from a business perspective, you still want to win. You still want to put bodies in the seats. You still want to have some hope you're going to do something. And, and we just got out of like three years of being really bad and they didn't want to go back to that. So it's not like entirely crazy why they went this way, even though it's not not maybe the way I would have gone. Cody's my guy too, Doug. He's my guy. I have a feeling he's really going to show up this year because I think he has to have the ball in his hands. I think it has to feel like he controls the offense. Um, I was hoping it was Daily Terry. That's how I watched some league, and like you know, looking like show me something, show me off the dribble, pull up or something. No, no. Mm, okay, no, disappointing. So I have a hopes in uh, Kobe too as well. And also, what a few years, I think the whole roster is like healthy. It had a whole summer to work out, not injured. I think that's that's a big thing, I think. I think first time in a while, the whole roster is actually healthy in the offseason, and they're able to work out and um and don't have to work the injuries and get better at the game. D, you had a couple seconds to think about it. You have a guy. They're going to have Kobe. They have Kobe dropping uh, 30 a game. Yeah, see, this is we're guard heavy, man. So I don't, I don't know if, you know, Kobe going to get the the minutes to to make a leap like that. You know, he might look better. You know, the eye test, you can be like, you know, Kobe, he put the work in. I don't know if he's going to get the minutes. You know, if he can guarantee me twenty five minutes a night, I would definitely say Kobe should. He'll probably average sixteen points, you know, or better, you know, something like that this year. But, you know, we we're guard heavy, you know. So I I, I hope to see Pat will take that leap, but I'm not confident in anybody. The one thing I'll say is it's hard for anyone to take a leap in the starting lineup when you have Vooch, Demar, and Zach using 70% of your possessions. And like from and like I'm not even saying that's bad. And you're saying it's like the opportunity isn't there. Like there's only so many shots to go around. And so you know your role if you're playing next to those three guys while we have this setup is to play defense and hit threes. And so for like Pat to like step up, what I would want to see is Crash the boards, be more aggressive on in rebounding, be more aggressive in defense, you know, take your shot very aggressively when you get the kick out and, and work on your release speed. Like that wouldn't necessarily translate into 20 points a game and whatever else, but that would translate into a much higher functioning team result. And one thing I do think, not so I'm so negative, I'm pretty negative about the team, but my negative view is largely about the future. I think they'll be better this year than last year. Like Javon Carter and Torrey Craig solve a lot of problems, at least on paper, that the Bulls had last year. And I'm a little more suspicious in Craig because last year was the first good shooting year of his career, and that that could easily be an anomaly. But Javon Carter is legit at all the things we really need out of that position for like a 25-minute night guy. And if Torrey Craig can repeat what he did last year, like this team is way better positioned and so, like, maybe that's 45, 46 wins again and a, uh, you know, five, six seed or seven seed. And that's not like, wow, we want to whatever, be so excited about that. Like, it still is kind of a mediocre finish in the grand scheme of things. But in terms of watching Bulls basketball, it should be a better year next year than last year, which was just a train wreck until 
the end of the season, but you were so disheartened by the end of the season that even though they got better uh, after the all-star break, you were like, you, you didn't want to watch it because you were expecting yeah. so much failure. So this year, I think, I think they'll come out of the gates pretty good. And I think they'll have a solid, a solid year. Like, I don't know where it goes in a year or two, but I think this year is actually going to be, be pretty good and, and have more enjoyable basketball. Now that we'll have some shooters to throw around, you know, our better players. Uh, you in my head, man. I, last podcast, I was optimistic about the Bulls. Number one, the rest of the, like, like I said, they went injured going through the summer. Um, and these players they brought in, like Carter, like I said, Carter has gotten better. I think, I, I don't speak to speak for the whole world, but I don't know. I, I, I think he's going to be better than most people think. He's not been but, but a playmaker so much, but he has gotten better every time I'm watching him do it on the court. I don't know what the ceiling is, but I think he's going to be a much, much better player than people think. And the guys who played like Jones, how many points did Jones have last year? Four? Two? Right. I mean, come on. You, you already improved. I love the man. He could jump out the jump. Appreciate it. But you already improved. Um, you upgraded with him, replacing him. And also, you have these guys who are like, you got in, in uh, Tory Craig and Carter. They're like, they're, they're like veterans. They know their role. They know when to shoot. They know when to cut. They, they're, they're not, they're not, Trying to, they're not like have these high expectations like in 10 years, I'm supposed to be an all star, whatever. They're set in, as NBA vets who know what to do on the court. And I think that would show. That's why I think we like Pat Bev so much because Pat Bev wasn't great, but he had some kind of veteran voodoo out there where it just looked like things kind of ran a little better with him on the floor. And you got two guys that are kind of like that on the Bulls now. I, th- I think the word is looking, I'm looking for is mature on the court. Yeah. There's to a your point. I think that. A yeah. bunch of little things that people do that like they don't show up in the box score yeah. in a meaningful way, but like everything functions better when they're on there. Yeah. And I think you're going to get a lot out of that from Javon Carter. I'm less excited about Torrey Craig from that perspective. Like I'm just going to throw this out there. The Suns who signed 11 guys at the vet minimum this year <laughs> to go around their four um, stars didn't want well, Torrey Craig. Yeah. Who yeah. started on their yeah. playoff roster and played pretty well. So, like, I don't know what the flag is if, like, he just was having sex with Kevin Durant's wife on the side or something, or <laughs> he was just, like, did, like, just doing something in the locker room, or if he just told the owner to fuck off or what. But, like, man, like, come there's, back. Something, there's something that happened there that, like, like is just weird. Like, because he, he played really well for them, I thought, in the playoffs. And, like, they didn't want him back on the vet minimum. Like, they got 11 different vet minimum guys other than him. Unless he just was like, I don't want to be here for some other reason, you know, but like, I, I don't know. There's something that just, like I said, it's just yeah. struck me strange. Like that seemed like really weird that they, they need exactly guys like this at exactly this price tag. And they, they didn't want to work it out with him or couldn't work it out for him for some reason. That's just an odd, odd thing. And one of the things these, these guys bring um, is three point shooting. They're not great three point shooters, but they were hit open shot. Yeah. As a whole, the guys, do you think the Bulls ha- have the, has addressed the three point shooting this year as best as they could. Yes, they could. Yeah, uh, I will say that too, man. But we got to create open shots. Yeah, we ha- we so got to have. What they could be white. They must start. They must start my two point oh. They could be white in the game, man. He gonna do that, man. It was all right. And we got we got one guy in our starting lineup that's a willing passer when he's double teamed. Oh, come on! I don't think that's true. Dude, Vooch is the only one. No. That, well, one, no one has ever double-teamed Vooch. <laughs> the 
Bulls. Like the dude, like never drove double teams. Zach Levine is like a super willing passer. Like every game, he is passing. Starts off with like Zach Levine trying to figure out how to get Vooch going. Like he's like the anti Demar. Like he gets the ball, he's like, all right, I'm really drawing Vooch into a pick and roll. I'm gonna feed Vooch like five times before I take a shot and try and get him going. Like so, like Zach is like sort of maybe like telegraphs everything he does. Like I don't yeah, but he's not a good. He's not. He does, he does a good. He doesn't do a good job he, at it. He's not like a brilliant. <laughs> he's not like a brilliant passer, but he's like a willing passer. Like I think Zach Levine absolutely is willing to pass and give up the ball. It's just once he gets double teamed, like I don't think he has the skill to be like, oh, I know where all these guys are. And how to pass through the double team and get the ball where it needs to go. But yeah, he would rather fade away on three people. Yeah, I mean, he, <laughs> he fade away while he's open anyway. So yeah, I, I think he's people. a he's a one decision guy. Like when he gets the ball, he knows if he's gonna pass or if he's gonna shoot. Like once he gets it, like he like he doesn't okay. actually like react to what is happening in front of him so, all the time. Like he's like, This possession, I'm setting up Vooch and I'm gonna work my ass off to get Vooch a shot. Next position. I'm shooting this one. If all five guys are on me, I'm still shooting this one. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's maybe the area of growth he needs is to to better play what the defense is is doing. So the what you actually said, I praised him for right before they got DeRozan. It was a couple of games where you saw him see the next play in offense. He's taking all the shots, taking all the game winners, and there was a point I was like, "Wow, Zach sees two plays that he'll skip the ball." And he will see the two plays ahead. And then the Rosa came. And all that went out the window. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I don't know, you regress that in that, that kind of way, but the offense is different now. And you know what? That toward the end of last year, you know, um Peter posted up more. And the offense looked really, really different. He was in the post. I wonder if this year you see more of that. So I know Levine and Demar always say they, you know, they try to get him to be more aggressive on offense, on the offensive end. But last year he kind of posted up a little bit to uh, a little bit to the end of the year, and uh, I like the way it looks. I, I love post players. I'm a '90s kid. I love people in the post. I think it's a good thing. So I'm hoping to see him in the post, and hopefully that changed the offense up a little bit because I hate it the way. I just don't like the way Billy Donovan offers run. I don't know what it is he's trying to do. I'm confused. I don't know. But what do you think? Last last question on the offense. I want to get into um, sort of like the Bulls and uh, and maybe. Um, Spending the money they had left and proving the team, but how do you how do you think Billy Donovan is going to change this offense? Because defense last year they were good, and of course maybe this year defense they will suck and actually be you know better offense. I don't know, but offensively, D to you first. How do you think that, that given you know, Tory Craig and Javon Carter, um, entering the mix? Hopefully, Dan Terry gets a little better offensively. Doug, I would say they're not going to play fast. D, how do you think yeah. it's going to look on offense? Is it look the same? Are we going to put well, some more boots? Well, you know, I've, I'm super critical when it comes to Billy Donovan, especially on the offensive end, because I feel like, you know, he he rely, he depend on one-on-one way too much. You know, we got a couple good one-on-one players, so I get it from that standpoint, but, like, I just want to see more structured half-court sets. You know, I mean, if that if that means we got to slow it down a little bit because we're not capable of playing fast, I just want to see something. You know, I want to see some high pick and rolls. I want to see just structured half court sets. You know, and, and it's just it's it's too many. It's too much one on one, man. So yeah, if, I would, if I, go ahead. Doug. Yeah, I definitely want to see. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to probably get hate when I say this. You look at players like Joker, right? Of course, Joker's. 
spectacular ball player. But they, you know, Vuce is not Joker, Jokic. I know that. But I haven't well, watched him a lot of Lando, but he could do kind of stuff like that in the post. And it's like, it's like, can we have more offense run from Vooch? Different kind of offense, different kind of cuts and whatever. Like, and also we got Tory Craig and Javon Carter, more vets. Maybe they're smarter as far as like, you know, utilizing their speed and their knowledge to get open. And maybe Vooch will have more opportunities to display his passing ability. But to your point, I do I do want to see more so kind of like action off Navush's post instead of, you know, one action, that's it, and then he just goes and shatters the hood shot. Have the offense sort of multiple options do Vooch and sort of spots for the post in the post. Mm-hmm. I would like to see that. For instance. Yeah. Yeah. You will not find someone who dislikes running the offense through Vucevic more than me. So you and uh, I yeah, we had, did we argue about that more, before? Did we could not be more opposed. <laughs> if we argued about this while I was <laughs> drinking, like because, because having be having because having DeRozan shoot like it's funny I was, I, it's funny he's mentioned that because I remember because I, I said um I used to get in so does with Matt, you know, because like, because um, like I would text in doing the doing the, doing the doing the show, um, and I would say you should post a Vooch more, and and people always complain about Vooch, like oh well he's trying to airball. Being around DeRozan, I saw DeRozan shoot a bad jump shot, try to draw a foul out of bounds, do ball out of bounds, fall down. I'm like four times in a row. But no one complains when the two guards, Zach Levine, take bad shots. But oh my God, who takes one bad shot? The whole world falls apart. I'm like, you're only going to win 40 games anyway. Then what the old way? Try something different. <laughs> like, that's well, okay for the Rosen to like mis- misjudge a bat, and try to draw a foul out of bounds, all this kind of crap and fall down. But then, like, your other all star who hasn't, doesn't get any many shots, can't make one mistake without the world falling apart, the world getting angry. So what I'm saying is that you did that last year, two years, do something a little different, unless you're you're, you're insane. Let me throw this at you. It doesn't work. <laughs> Let me throw this at you. You know who has the third most post shots per game in the NBA? No, we did this stat. The guy who just said doesn't get enough post shots. You know the winning percentage went up when that happened? Because the early year, he was like six. And when they win, and then when they start to win, who's ranked number four in post? That's not a coincidence. Yeah, not a coincidence. Uh, and I'm not saying just shoot post shot. That's about plays around Vooch. It, in general, there's like a lot of things that go into it. And I'm, so maybe for this, I'm not opposed to Vooch getting post touches. All I'm saying by bringing this stat up is that he gets a lot of post touches. The only two guys in the NBA who get more post touches than Vooch are Embiid and Jokic. And Embiid gets like Embiid. It, it, by the end of the season, I believe it was just those two guys. But it could be, it, I, and it, it depends maybe where you get the stat from too. But so let's just say he's right yeah. around, and he was like a half shot behind Embiid. So he's basically at like Embiid level of post touches. Jokic is on a whole nother level. Jokic yeah. is like twice the rest of. Like, <laughs> Jokic is like ten a game, and like Vooch is like five, and Embiid's like five and a half. So whatever, I'm making up the numbers, yeah. but it's like really close to that. So Jokic is on this whole other planet with post touches, but we we're already giving him as many post touches as like the second most elite post player in the NBA. So he's getting a good amount and I'm okay with him getting even more when the situation calls for it. And I mm-hmm. think that's the one thing they missed. Like there's like a six, three guy on a switch on Vooch. The ball should be in his hands immediately. That's my argument would be the Don. I think Dean, Dean argument yeah. was like too many times. Yeah. Like I watched, I literally watched Zach Levine shoot two bad shots and the Rosa take two bad shots, but he calls a timeout 
Moose has to touch the ball in three minutes. I'm like, okay, this is when you say, hey, you're the All-Star had a shot. They come out the timeout and they run two more plays for Zach and the Rosen. That's coaching. That's not the Rosen mm-hmm. thing. That's yeah. my that's, that's my issue. Like to, to your point, yeah, the average, the average, right? But but watching the game is different. And yeah. they didn't start winning a lot of games until he was more involved in the post play. It all evened out. But but that's a positive. And also, I'm again a critical of Billy Donovan and, and that when I see that too many times, when I see I'm like your all star has to touch the ball, like. At least try to do something with him. If the you keep calling Vooch an all-star, like you and I are going to have words later. Come on, dude. This dude is so nowhere near <laughs> all-star. all-star. Are you going to call Andre Drummond an all-star? Should oh, no. Oh, no. Drummond? Oh, no. How Drummond much better is Vooch better than Andre Drummond? <laughs> not better at all. Andre Drummond is just as far removed from his all-star appearances as Vooch. Like, he is younger than Vooch, and he has just as many all-star appearances as Vooch. So, like, yeah, what's you know, you, crazy? You know, well, I, I, would, I, would, I would say this, though. I would say this, though. Um, Vooch. Uh, well, yeah. I'm gonna come to All Star, but he, you know, obviously, he's more offensively talented team. than he made the All Star team. He's a very more good uh, more talented than Drummond offensively. <laughs> yeah. Either way, yeah, Drummond didn't make it player. due to his offensive. Yeah. It's, it's almost throw... it's almost like almost like watching the Bulls. You see why he made All Star Orlando because he got the ball more. Doesn't mean you win more, right? But it means that he can show. Yeah, his most more. most wins in Orlando is 42 in like 10 years. Yeah, like that's the most. But let me let me throw a couple of things out there. Kind of going back to your original question, what you want to see over offense. So the Bulls had a great defensive rating and a very poor offensive rating last year. Mm-hmm. And you look at the personnel and, you know, if you just didn't know anything about these stats and someone said they were a top five defense and a bottom five offense, you'd be like, I don't even comprehend how that could be possible with our three best players being complete defensive sieves and really strong offensive players. We should be great offensively and terrible defensively. We should look like the Sacramento Kings out there who are like number two on offense or maybe number one on offense and like number 29 on defense. Like that's kind of what you would expect. And so uh, if you dive into why that is the case, it turns out that the Bulls, even though they are a top five defense, are below average at defending every single play type in the NBA. Like if you go into NBA.com and you look at like, Defense against pick and rolls, defense against post up, defense. So, like, how can we be below average against everything and still be a top defense? And the reason was we denied all of the high efficiency play types. So, teams never got fast break points against us and they never got offensive rebounding uh, play types against us, which are like the two most efficient by far plays in the NBA. We hired. Turnovers too as well. Were we top five of turnovers? We were low. We yeah, we turned the ball over very rarely. And so now if you look at like why why do we not give up any offensive rebounds? Um, and why do we not give up any fast break points? And a couple of things are one, we're a good defensive rebounding team. So Vooch gets some credit for that. Great defensive rebounder. Drummond coming off the bench, also like great rebounder. So you have an amazing rebounding all the time at the center position. You got like elite rebounding there. So great uh, defensive rebounding on offense. Why do teams never fast break? Because we never crash the offensive glass. We're like the worst offensive rebounding team in the league. Why mm-hmm. is our offensive bad? By denying these fast break points, because we're always getting back on defense. We're costing mm-hmm. ourselves all of the efficient points on the offensive rebounding end because we're the worst offensive rebounding team. Uh, you guys mentioned earlier, we never passed the ball. Like one of the things we're a reasonably low turnover team. Another reason we don't have a lot of fast break points, but when you're playing one-on-one, you also tend to turn the ball over because you're passing the ball less, much less. A lot of the risky plays that also yield high offense um, result in turnovers and yield high offense for the other team. 
And so we implemented a really conservative strategy on both ends of the floor. And this isn't a criticism or a praise. I don't like, like it could go either way. Like you could look at your personnel and say, this was the exact right thing to do. But a lot of what is baked into the numbers on both sides, a lot of our offensive decisions were made in an effort to cover the flaws of our defensive team and the players we had. And that might be the right thing to do, or it might not be, but that's, that kind of explains a little bit of that. So with that all as like a backdrop, what I think we're going to do on offense this year coming up is going to be very much the same as last year. And what we've counted on is Javon Carter and Tory Craig are now going to take and hit the open shots right, yeah. that Pat Beverly, Io DeSumo, and these other guys, uh, Alex Crusoe, like all just passed up. And that our offense will improve while still making these same defensive hedges, but will improve because we'll now hit more open threes and we'll take more open threes uh, instead of like passing the ball and ending up in like either Zach or Damar or Vuce's hands with like one second left having to make something happen. You know, Alex Crusoe's replacement will now shoot that open three with 12 seconds left and we'll get a high percentage shot instead of a very low percentage shot later. We'll hope that that pays a lot more dividends than we had last year. And, that, and otherwise, I think the scheme is going to look very similar. And we're just hoping that those guys are going to shoot more and make more shots. Yeah, otherwise, it's not my fault. It's the player's fault. <laughs> yeah, I but, actually but, love yeah, Donovan yeah. as a coach. Like, yeah. I, I think most people, like, dislike him. Like, when I look at, like, um, if you compare him to Jim Boylan or Fred Hoiberg. Oh, come on, man. Or, come like, man. <laughs> or, uh, if we go back in the way back machine, Vinny Del Negro or the other Jim Boylan. <laughs> or um, Tim Floyd. Like, if you go back since uh, even Bill Cartwright, like, we have mm-hmm. to go back until Phil Jackson was here. We had, like, a beef reprieve with Tom Thibodeau where we had a real NBA coach. And other than that, in the last 25 years, there was, like, the Thibodeau era, which was, I don't know, it was, like, five years. Mm-hmm. Maybe two years of Scott Skiles that were solid. So, like, seven years out of, like, those 23 years before Donovan got here, we had, like, just... God awful, didn't belong in the league, should never coach again, NBA head coaches. And Billy Donovan, like, I don't think he's like at the top of the coaching ranks. I agree. But yeah. but he belongs. Like, if Billy no. Donovan gets fired from here, he can get another head coaching job. Like, he's at least an NBA coach. And this team has had such a huge lack of like guys who even qualify as deserves <laughs> to be an NBA coach that like at least Billy Donovan it crosses the bar of like deserves to be an NBA coach. Like like maybe he's like the 15th best coach in the NBA and there's not a big gap between like 20 and 10. And like those guys are all about the same and he's kind of like in that middle class. But we were like in the 30 to 21 range for like 70% of the post Phil Jackson era. Right. So like, I don't think there's like, we're not going to go get Eric Spolstra, right? So if we're not going to go get Eric Spolstra or whoever else you think is like super elite, there's probably not going to be a big gap between Billy Donovan and the replacement. Like most replacements are just going to be a different flavor of guy in the middle uh, is my overall thought. I agree with you. I, I and I, that he's just a middle road coach. I, what, what I don't, what I like to do Doug, is that I hate it. When I hear a lot of people like complaining about the players all the time and they go, he needs to be better. And I'm like, and, but Spolstra, of course, is on the coach. I'm like, well, how about the coach get better mm-hmm. too? You know, that, you know, and maybe, maybe coach, you just don't get better as a coach. <laughs> Certain players do like that players are just who you are. You are what you are. But I just always like to say, don't forget we demand. Like I, I was pulled my, on the radio. I can't stand this. Well, this, this is a score. I read this sports radio anymore. I listen to a lot of other podcasts, but, and then people just hammered the rose and these shoot a three point shot. 
The Rose, I'm like, that's not the Rose's fault. He wasn't paying the commission. That's the front office's fault. The Rose mm-hmm. averages 25 points a game. At great efficiency. It's still points. Now, granted, yeah, it may spread the floor more, but why are you yelling at him to change his basketball game to score less points just to shoot, just to shoot more threes? I'm like, like, you should be yelling at the front office. That's not the Rose's responsibility. His responsibility is to get 25 points a game and get buckets. Not to other sudden go to the gym and become Steph Curry. So front office needs to improve and the coaching needs to improve. And it does, I, even though he's an average to very good, co- good coach, I want better than that. That's my coach for the mm-hmm. Bulls. Yeah. That's just like I, I want like, better average players. I'd like better. I'd like better. I, I guess it's like I think coaching doesn't move the needle that much. Like if you thought coaching moved the needle watch, that much. See, you when you watch be- Miami play, watch Miami play, you go, oh, well. Yeah, okay, you know, I know. I, get, with I love with a bunch of, with a bunch of undrafted guy. players. You see how they're supposed to get the most out of undrafted talent. And we yeah. know it's, it's, it's an organizational thing, right? It's sportsful too as well. But there, there's yeah. a lot of other lot of other yeah. things going on in Miami. But the, the thing I would say in general is like, if you thought a coach could really move the needle, coaches don't count against the salary cap. If, if like a team thought a coach mm-hmm. could add five wins, Awful like they should pay him like 40 million a year. <laughs> Like, I just like, it doesn't count as anything. Like, like if Golden State thought a coach could, like, they're paying when they add like a $3 million player with all the luxury tax they owe, they have like a $3 million player. They're paying like 45 million. Like they should just be like, I mean, then maybe they just love Steve Kerr because Steve Kerr has been phenomenal, but like they could pay 50 million for their coach. It would make no difference to them, like on the cap or any other moves Mm -hmm. they make. Like the league as a whole is not viewed like the difference between one coach and another to be changing. I think, the main thing is you need a coach that fits the players you bring in. Like to your point, Chris, like I don't think coaches change their philosophy a whole lot or like how they like they become specialized. Like this is the offense I run. This is the defense I run. This is what I'm good at. This is what I know. Like maybe Popovich is like the one guy I can think of who's like, yeah, I started out with two centers. and I had this low post era. Then I swung to like a Tony Parker Ginobili era that was guard centric and then went away from the slow post. And I had Kawhi Leonard who was an elite wing and I've, Like I've kind of like won with like three point guys and mid range guys and post guys and done everything. But like most, most coaches are like, this is what I do. Like Billy Donovan is a small ball guy. This is what I do. And you got to then build the roster around what the coach does, or you got to bring in a coach that fits the roster you want to build. Like, but like thinking the coach is going to go become an elite coach. Like, I think it's just hard. Like they're like, this is just what I'm good at. And kind of like you said with DeRozan, right? Like DeRozan is not going to come back and be a, a three-point guy, like Donovan's not going to go change all of his philosophies and principles and how he thinks the game of basketball should be run. Even if it like turns out that it's analytically not the best answer. It's like, but this is what I know. And this is what has worked for me for 30 years. And so this is what I'm going to do. Just like DeRozan's like, yeah, you know what? A three-point shot. You're in a super fucking elite dude from 20 feet, but you can't be an elite dude from 24 feet. Come on, just put in one summer of work and you can probably make it happen. Like he's just not, He's just not going to do it. And like Donovan, same way, like this is who he is. The things he's good at are always going to be the things he's good at. Like he's a great communicator. I bet the players love him. You know, I bet, I bet like certain things with offense work well and defense work well, but he's not going to change. Like it's, he's just going to be who he is. Yeah. You got too much Doc Rivers in him, man. (laughs) Adjustments and stuff, man. That just makes me cringe. I I, I just, I I would say this and get off a little bit. I would. When you go two years there, everyone's saying the Bulls underachieved. I gotta look at everybody, you know. Like, yeah, you like, should look at everybody. Yeah. Like, if the coach, like, and I, 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 I just don't want to get because, like, I hate on TV. Everybody's great. Everybody's a great coach. All the commentators because they're ex coaches. They're great. Billy Donovan. I'm like, what has he done great as an NBA coach? You're like, college, yes. 
But like anyway, that gets my nerves. So I try to bring it up like every now and then that we should expect more from the coach. Um, real quick, I want to touch on um the one that specifically asked you this question. Regarding Lonzo, uh, so the Bulls got the disabled player exception, um, $10 million um, for Lonzo. Uh, let, me add, let me just ask you, the position they're in to obtain a free agent and giving out the IOS, IOS contract and whatnot, what position is the Bulls in to really improve the team this year? Do you think they're going to – yeah, but this, this year, what position do you think the Bulls are in to add talent to the team given the $10 million? That counts against the cap, I believe. Yep. Lonzo play exception. And the IO contract as well. I will uh, kind of break down the DPE like in, in full real quick, if you like. It's generally so you can use it for 10 million. You can bring in a player for trade. You can sign it a free agent with it. So you can do either. Uh, that player can only be on a one-year deal. So if you think about like who wants to sign as a free agent, wants $10 million, but doesn't want multiple years it kind of means you're overpaying a guy for one year to take a shorter contract or something. So it's kind of limited there. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense to use as a free agency tool, uh, most likely. Um, I think if the Bulls do use it, it'll probably be to acquire draft capital later. Like you take someone's $10 million trash player who's expiring in a draft pick to save them a bunch of luxury tax money. I think that's the most likely scenario that we end up using this, this exception is to kind of reload some of the draft capital we spent to put this team together. Um, Lonzo's contract is paid 80% by insurance. So we're actually saving 16 million in cash. And so if we use this exception, we'll be in the luxury tax, but I would say, Hey, you know what? The 16 million we're saving in real money on Lonzo can be used to pay some luxury tax money to be able to help reload some assets. Um, from a practical perspective, we still have the biannual exception and we have six, which is around, I think it's, I want to say 4 million, four or 5 million. And we have the rest of the mid-level exception, which is 6.2 million left. Um, so both of those, you can sign multi-years. The biannual, you can go for two years. And the mid-level, you can go for up to four years. Uh, so we can still spend $10 million doing those two things. We're also hard capped, so we cannot go over $172 million, no matter what, mm-hmm. under any circumstances. And so we're, I want to say, at one, um, 160 I think we, we, basically we can spend $10 million and fill yes. out our roster to do that. With the vet minion guys, we have to add, we can do one player at 10 million and two at 2 million. So like 14 million under that hard cap. Um, that's that's over the luxury tax. But so the most we can spend is 10 million. So we can already do that with our other exceptions outside of the DPE. So the only reason you would use the DPE rather than these other exceptions is if you want to get one player on a $10 million deal versus getting two players on slightly smaller contracts, but you could add those, have more years on those smaller contracts. So it's sort of like a very niche way that we can use it. In terms of what I think for the rest of the summer, I think the Bulls will sign two guys at the vet minimum and they'll bring back Io Sumu on the qualifying offer will be a shade under the luxury tax. And I think that'll be the roster. Um, and I, I probably would say like, we might take a hard look at uh, uh, Freeman Liberty, uh, Javon Freeman Liberty uh, from, from Summer League. I thought he looked really good. Young guy, lots of talent. Maybe we can get him on a two-way. I'm not sure. We already have three guys on two ways, but one of them is, Terry Taylor on a qualifying offer. I'm not sure if we can just like ignore that and throw it away and then bring in uh, Liberty on that. If so, I would probably do that immediately. Um, otherwise, we could definitely waive one and we just have to pay him 500 in cash. But I thought Liberty looked good enough that I'd want to keep him around. The young guy, high potential, um, athletic. We'll see how that goes. So that, that's kind of my my overall thoughts. 
I think we'll bring in one guard, one big, and then Io Desumu will be like kind of like the rest of the summer or rest of the roster moves for the year. That is this is why I have the show, Doug. That's Doug. You just learn. <laughs> Wait to the end of the show and you get schooled, you get educated. <laughs> so, yeah, the cap you know. and analytics guy. That's all I, I got. You know, actual ball, probably none, but uh, cap and analytics I can help you with. Basically, say what Doug says is that the bulls are sheep and then I go over the cap. Yeah, like the tax, no way. I, I see. Look, <laughs> and I, I blame Ryan, him, but you know, yeah, Ryan Sorb gets a lot of crap for it, but like, I, this is what I say: is show me the team that was like a lottery team last year and projects to be like a first round loser this year. That says, you know what? I'm going to go into the tax to be a better first round losing team. Right. Like that. No one does that. No one does that. No one in the NBA goes. I think I'm going to lose in the first round, but I'm going to go into the tax anyway when I don't have to. No one pays the tax to be a first round loser team. You pay the tax when you think you might win a title or you like you can squint real hard and see like if I get a little lucky, I have a chance. Like the Bulls are not in the I can get a little lucky and have a chance camp like they just aren't. They're too far away. And so they're just like I wouldn't pay the tax. If you if you were a general manager and I own this team and you said I want to pay the tax for this group, I'd be like, get the fuck out of here. What are you even Mm -hmm. talking about? You're you're like you're barely a playing team. Maybe who are you going to add if you pay the tax? Tell me what who they're gonna add and what they're gonna do. Like, <laughs> like, like, are gonna add like, like the best players out there left. Like maybe Kelly Oubre, maybe Christian Wood. Like, those like here. that's the absolute best mm-hmm. guys you could have left out there. Like after that, you're talking about bringing back Derek Jones Jr. or someone like that. It's like like on the list of like best guys left. Like these guys are not changing the Bulls' destiny from, like yeah, we're probably a you know, upsie upside, like five is like the best case scenario. Likely scenario is probably seven. Worst case scenario is probably like, you know, I guess worst case people get really hurt and you just completely suck. But like worst reasonable case without major injuries is probably like nine or 10. Like you're in that range and those guys aren't taking you out of that range. You're not paying the luxury tax for that. You're not paying the luxury tax to be like, I have a 5% better chance to be the sixth seed and then losing the playoffs instead of the seventh seed. Like you, you just aren't. No one does that. You know, yes, you're right. And you know what I hope? You, brought, you said Liberty. Why can Liberty be 6'7"? If he was 6'7", oh, my God. Anybody would be drooling over this dude. But Well, we wouldn't have him then. He'd be gone. You know? yeah, I know. I, 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 surely hope, I surely hope that he's the guy that comes in for one game for some reason and drops like 25 points. <laughs> you're like, I'd rather have him shoot over three-point shot than I.O., you know, <laughs> and then like uh, wait, gets- wait till if he gets a camp invite and and we keep him around through camp. Like, I mean, we'll see. I, I the other thing too is like I thought it looked pretty exciting in in summer league, um, but summer league is summer league, so yeah, you just right. never know. But I but I feel like of guys I thought going into summer league, I thought like I have no thoughts about this guy whatsoever. He would be like on my list. Like so I'm like oh, okay, I, I quasi heard the name before, and that's about it. And then like so I'm like oh wow, there might be something here like. But you always fall every year. I fall in love with some dude in summer league, and then like like camp rolls around and sucks. So like I'm not, I don't get like too over the moon. But but he's my guy this year. He's the guy. Yeah, I'm watching. I'm like I'm like who on his team can hit open three point shot? Like who can? Like some give me somebody. And he's like Mm -hmm. him. I'm like oh. Thank you. (laughs) He's six five and he's athletic too. I'm like six five and athletic. He's not six five. I think he's listed at six five. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, dude, he's six five. I'm five nine, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, mean, I can give you a five nine. <laughs> I thought the, I thought you were like five ten. Oh, yeah. 
You told me last time. That dude's good. All right. I think we wore out the bull to death. Anything last off, D? With your, with your newly grown beard with some gray showing there? That's yeah. See my video. Gray's popping here. Gray's popping. Um, man, I just, I'm, I just, I got a wait and see attitude. You know, if, you know, like, like we said last pod, if I'm forced to make a prediction right now, we're a play in team. You know, I think that's just where we are. But let's, I'm just, I'm ready to wait and see. What they're gonna do, what they're gonna change, you know, as far as like offensively and things like that. So, still a fan. I'm still gonna watch. Let's just wait and see. What are your next steps as, as, as a Bulls fan <laughs> after some of these gone? What's your next Bulls steps? Real wait quick, D. It's, it's wait and see. Wait till wait preseason. See. see who they roll out there for preseason, and hey, decide if I want to buy some tickets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're gonna do in the meantime before the season starts. Jeez, probably get fat. I mean, that's what I've been doing the last six months. So why stop now? Um, uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I'm actually. I don't want to say I'm excited about this season per se because I'm a little depressed about the future. But I think yeah. it's going to be a good year. Me too. I, I think, think people go. I think as long as. I think is. I don't think there's like any upside for this roster long term. But I think this is going to be a much better year to watch than last year. Uh, as long as they stay healthy. The one thing I'm going to throw out there, and I, just to jinx the shit out of everything, the Bulls were actually like the healthiest team in the league last year if you discount Lonzo, who was out before the season started. So if we're just talking about injuries that happened during the year when guys started playing, like Zach was like third in the NBA in minutes. Bruce played all, all, all the games of the season. Bruce played 82 games. Hit on Bruce Bay, played, played all the games, Doug. DeMar, DeMar <laughs> DeMar played like all but five games. Zach, who missed the first two games, then played in like, I think it was like 79 games. I think he only missed one game the rest of the year. Um, they they were extraordinarily healthy. And I think the one thing I'd say about this group is it's like, wow, that's, are we going to get Vooch, Pat, Zach, and DeMar to miss like a grand total of, I think, seven games between the four of them this year? Like, like Vooch's career average is like 10 a year. Like Zach's is like 20 a year. Um, and, and you know, Pat's average skewed because he missed a ton one year is still probably like 25 missed games a year. DeMars is like 10 a year. Like, like the average of each of those guys was more than the total that all four missed last year. And so like, that's just a thing that, like worries me in the back of our head. I think we've taken for granted like how healthy we were in terms of injuries when the game started. If we have that kind of health again this year, then I think we're in for a 45, 46 win type of year. Uh, but that's a really Ooh. tall order and is like really rare to have that kind of health multiple years in a row. Like that was like almost a unicorn type of event in terms of, of health for the team. So fingers crossed that that happens again. But that's really my big fear. And, and like you look at like, say Vooch misses 30 games as a major injury. Like now you're playing Drummond, what, like 35 minutes a game? I would love that. Who is the backup center to Drummond then for 13 minutes? <laughs> like Torrey Craig is now the backup center or like Pat Williams is now your backup center? Get, like get and, Jones again. You know, and, and so it's like they have, I think that's the one thing that scares me the most is especially in the front court. There is really not a lot of depth. We talked about Torrey Craig and Pat Williams maybe not even being like real legit power forwards. And then they're the, the third and fourth biggest guys in the team. 
you know, it's like Drummond, Vooch, and then those two guys. Like, if you have a key injury in the wrong spot, like, man, could you be in some trouble really quickly? You know, maybe a good thing because, you know, injuries, expedite change sometimes. And sometimes it gives opportunity for players to show. So. All righty. Io DeSumo, starting center. <laughs> opportunity starts here, baby. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. All right. So that's it. We're gone. We're gone. Doug. Appreciate the you know you come on the show and breaking down the uh, economics of the Bulls. Appreciate it a lot. You can find Doug. Tell me where you can find it because you you say you're over the place. I'm not um, really anywhere anymore. I got to be honest. You ride a you ride a bus. I'm on I'm on I'm on Twitter and I have my podcast and I do one with Fred. And if you're listening to this, you probably are aware of those already. And you'll find them all on your own. Um, but if not, it's the Bulls beat and the Big Red Bus and. Uh, yeah, really sporadic about both of them, but yeah, they're out there occasionally. Yeah, otherwise, yeah, you can harass me on Twitter if you if you like Doug underscore Tonus. And, uh, yeah, I like your, your Twitter picture is the same picture you had for like thirty years. It is. Uh, I mean, I'm only uglier and older now, so why would I? Like <laughs> if I do a new cartoon picture of me, the balding version, like that's no good. Like I gotta, I gotta pretend I still have the Conan O'Brien hair going. So you know, there's a Conan kind of thing going on. Right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> D, let the people know where they can find you. Yeah, catch me on Twitter, um, Instagram, djackson82. It's D-E-E, Jackson. And I say this every time I'm on here that I'm going to get better with interacting on social media because I know I got like two Twitter followers, which is terrible for... You, you want mine? Mine is all spam. I got like 5,000. They're like hey, uh, uh, 4,500 on spam. <laughs> do, my, do my wife put me to shame. She just... She was like, I just, she just started like her Instagram. Like, you cannot compare yourself to your wife. Your wife is a celebrity. Okay, that's true. (laughs) That's true. But um, I will say, I have some good news. I have officially started my new album. Yes. So yes. So are you doing it? So this is key. I want people to say this. How are you doing the album? Who's producing? Is you tall black, right? This is this will be the first album in a long time. I might have multiple producers, so this will be oh, a, okay. this will be a, a D Jackson album and not an Avis Babies album. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it's it's kind of yeah, it's it's kind of scary a little bit for me. Yeah, I, I have I have a couple beats I can throw you, man. You know, I have a couple beats. Has like seriously, yeah. <laughs> no, the, yo, uh, seriously. D like yeah. two of my beats. I made my last twenty years. I have two beats that he I think he really likes. Honestly, the other ones he pretends to like. I think he has. Nah. I think it's two. <laughs> nah, you, you got skills, bro. Yeah, two. Uh, yeah. So, hey, anyway, it's, it's good to hear, man. It's, it's good to hear, man. I want to. I want to. Huh. Want to hear. Um, definitely, the first time I would hear you like on, on the you know multiple producers and different kind of sound and whatnot. Yes, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been a while. You know, with that, you know, I used to hearing me. You know, pretty much basically on with Tall Black, and um, even though I, I released a project with Fifth last year too mm-hmm. but, um yeah i think it's a good thing okay i mean most, do- more more than likely tall black will be on there feature on there oh yeah i'm pretty sure tall black probably just like shut out the beat and like here you go <laughs> yeah it'd be spectacular uh all right man yeah. good news and your new studio too man the crystal your new studio yeah yeah I, I um like i said i've been rec- i recorded a couple times and i kind of like the acoustics you know the way the, the my voice bounce off everything mm. in here so I'm excited about that because I was about to buy a new mic. I don't think it's necessary now. All right. So, yeah. All right. See that folks? D's living the dream, man. Making hits. All right, man. 
<laughs> Prime, brother. Get <laughs> hit to this big house, a big basement studio. World now, world renowned producers, and he's on a podcast with me. Pretty soon, I'm about to. Quit. Y'all heard him say he's gonna use my beat, right? The did you not say that? No, hold me to it. <laughs> hold me to it. I'm 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 gonna use maybe a couple of your beats. You're gonna like I'm gonna use like two seconds off in blue. No, 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 no. Nah, I'm gonna use it. <laughs> Dude, pretty pretty soon, I'm gonna quit all my jobs. I'm gonna quit my day job and my music, and I'm just gonna be my wife's assistant. I'm just you know probably the best thing in the world, man. <laughs> Like here, I'm here for you. Tell me what to do. That's it. <laughs> Good work if you can get it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You can find me on ball on Twitter, uh, Ball Sports One, B A W Sports One. Uh, I do tweet now and then. Um, when the when the season's not going on, I kind of like go dormant a little bit. But uh, find me on Twitter, also on BallSports.com, B A W Sports.com is the website. This is the podcast. You can find a podcast on all podcast players. Um, yeah, man. Um, thanks for listening to this long podcast, which I thought was going to be short. Look, <laughs> 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 we talked a lot. By the way, the conversation we had before the podcast was like an hour. And right. <laughs> that could have been another podcast, but another topic. I was tempted to hit record, but I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm not going to record that. <laughs> uh, the, the same thought came to my mind. You should be re- recording a casual conversation. <laughs> We used to do that a lot, and uh, we yeah. and, it's, and this is where we put effort in this podcast. We used to shop up stuff and put video and audio and music in between, and and out too much to do outtakes at the end. I used to put the outtakes at the end of the beat. Lazy, people lazy now. I'm lazy. I don't do that stuff now. It's recorded. I like you say, people lazy, but you really meant you're lazy. Yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> people lazy. Who's doing I'm all not this putting the energy I'm, into I'm a, it, dude? I I've never put in any energy into my podcast ever. Like this is the first, this is the first uh, year ever I started taking notes. I used to just pick up the mic. I would talk for 30 minutes. I would just hit stop. And then that would be it. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was, whether it was good or bad or anything. And this year I finally, I'm too old and senile now. So I'm like, I got to take some notes and do like a little bit of prep. But like, I, <laughs> I hear you. I can't, I, I could never do anything that like all you other guys, I, everyone else has like a much better, more professional. Oh, no, we don't, than we me. don't. They would tell you that. I mean, oh. people, you know this, people come on our podcast. All right. So uh, you, you must have notes. What's going on? Be, 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 <laughs> David and I'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> well, I'm your perfect outside. guest. <laughs> I, do, I do, I do make an outline. Uh, I do have like a script, like a, a put, like 10 minutes for the show, literally. <laughs> I put a little outline together about the topics. Just so I make sure I hit everything. That's that's it. And D, D has no idea what I'm going to talk about. Freestyle. He doesn't want to know. All right. Best, we out. Best shows that way. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Peace. Peace.